Yo MTG Taps is sponsored by LegitMTG.com. Strategy, streams, and singles, LegitMTG has it all. Oh yeah, and now us. So check us out every Friday on LegitMTG.com and stop back every weekday for more great Magic the Gathering content and product. I wonder who my competition is not going to be. I know it ain't going to be nobody up in here. They up in here. They up in here. Magnetic. F14. W. Organized campaign, I'm on my third route The album just dropped, I'm trying to get the word out Superhero theme music, Ron Sleep, Walking, Snoring The Less Rails for Bart was recorded My first stop was Sway in the morning Was written by Heather B. Toto was a fan since the real world on MTV now I MC, five fingers of death, couldn't chin check me Not before I had to get balls right Rehearsing, was asked about my upbringing How long I've been working And Sway's hair rap, look bigger hand person Was rhyming like it was a wake up show Homie tough, I got raps for days Gotta say something for Tony Touch My phone is gone, sorry, I can't talk right now I'm busy, traveling, making my rounds I sat down next on the schedule Was static selector, sure already, yo Hey everybody, welcome back to Yo MTG Taps, I'm Big Head Joe, and ah, ah, I'm flying solo again today. None of that melodramatic crap from a couple weeks ago. Just me and the microphone and every one of you. Stephen is out of town. Stephen is driving all around the United States as we speak. He'll probably be gone for about a month or so, so going to get a little creative here over the next couple weeks while I wait for his return. May have a guest or two, may not, may get, you know, some friends to join me. But for now, just for tonight, we're going to do this one-on-one, just you and me in my sweet voice. I want to talk a little bit about Grand Prix Atlanta. I want to talk about that experience. First of all, I just wanted to say uh, that there's been a tragedy. There has been a break-in at the legit MTG store, at the brick-and-mortar game store. Legit MTG is offering a $5,000 cash reward for information leading to the arrest of the person or persons responsible for the theft at Legit MTG and recovery of the items stolen. This is a big deal. If you have any leads, if you know anything at all, call 270-926-6765 or you can email Nate directly, nate at legitmtg.com. This is a terrible event. It's a terrible event when any store gets broken into, when anyone gets robbed of their livelihood. It's very unfortunate. It's the worst possible thing that could happen to you. But knowing Nate, knowing how great of a guy he is, and knowing just how much he's been through recently, it's especially crappy to hear about. And I just hope that whatever idiots did this get brought to justice quickly. So that's that. So moving on to Grand Prix Atlanta. I did play in the main event. It was a cool trip. We flew out to Baltimore, spent a few days in Baltimore, got to see some people. If I didn't get to see you and you're listening to this right now, I'm sorry. 
If you want to see me, get at me on Facebook. Say, hey, Joe, next time you're in town, why don't you spend some time with me, you freaking jerk? And I will do my best to make time to see you. Overall, it was a really fun trip. Uh, My wife got to see Baltimore for the first time. She got to experience her first no-show bus. And we got to wait for an hour and a half out in 30-mile-an-hour winds for the next bus to come, (laughs) which was lovely. We showed up to the bus stop 10 minutes early, you know, and of course the bus doesn't show up. So that was a good time. Uh, Then we took the train overnight into Atlanta. Got to Atlanta at 8.15, actually a little early, which was nice. We got there about 8 o'clock. Got on, got in the lift, got to the hotel, got that early check-in. Respect to Hampton Inn and Suites. Got to give it up to them for letting us in at 9 a.m. when check-in time is like 3 o'clock, something like that. So they were really accommodating, totally fun. Got some breakfast. Complimentary, once again, Hampton Inn and Suites, holler. And then got over to the event site in time for my... 10.15 report time. No Hararuya sleeves to be found, which was unfortunate, so I had to settle for my old standby, the KMC Hypermat. Got some of those and got to register or building my pool because I had one buy, I had the sleep-in special, needed the sleep-in special with the train situation and how I set that up. There was no alternative. Had to do the Had to do the sleep-in. So, got my pool, started checking it, and it was really funny because there were three cards that were not listed on my sheet. So, they had me listed as having one Calastria healer, but I had two. Yay. And they also listed me as having zero Voracious Null, and I had two. Yay. So, got all those things corrected and started working on my build. This was a tricky pool, I'll tell you. I had the absolute worst white pool, maybe in the history of Battle for Zendikar Sealed. I'll go ahead and run this entire white section down for you, just to get you an idea of just how excited I was to see it. We had Angelic Gift, Cliffside Lookout, Expedition Envoy, 3, Inspired Charge, 2, Kitesail Scout, 1, Core Castigator, Two, Andu Greathorn, and one, Stonehaven Medic. That was my white. Not a sheer drop, not a piece of removal in sight. Just pathetic. And what's worse is I was totally teased by also having a Resolute Blade Master and a Veteran Warleader in my pool. So, two really good white splashes, but no white to support them. Pretty bad. My green was also pretty bad. We had a blister pod, a brood monitor, two brood hunter worms, call of the scions, two earthen arms, eyeless watcher, infused with the elements, life spring druid, murasa ranger, natural connection, oren reef invoker, plated crusher, and reclaiming vines. Some of those cards are pretty good, but without something, with all those token generators, Without something like a Swarm Surge or a Tajuru Warcaller or a Tajuru Beastmaster, it was really just playing a bunch of dorks, you know? 
So didn't really see the benefit in going with the green. The red had two volcanic upheavals, a nettle drone, a Kozilek sentinel, a stone fury, belligerent whiptail, Andu champion, three reckless cohorts, because you can never have too much of a crappy card, sure strike, and processor assault. So a couple devoid pieces, a couple pieces of removal, nothing amazing. Processor assault, I would say, is beyond, below subpar goes into moves into the terrible category not very good so the red wasn't phenomenal now the blue and the black were pretty much where it was at in terms of what we were going to build so i had just run these down for my blue i had in the deck i had salvage drone merc strider times two Tide Drifter, Tightening Coils, Adverse Conditions, Horribly Awry, Cloud Manta, Oracle of Dust, Mist Intruder, Spell Shrivel were, uh, were my blue cards. I also had a Fathom Feeder in gold. It's a very good card. Very good card. In black, I had Complete Disregard, Demon's Grasp. I had a Smothering Abomination, which is really good. Silent Skimmer, two Sledge Crawlers, Dominator Drone. And then I had in Colas, I had a Titan's Presence, a Bane of Balaged, a Ruin Processor, a couple good top end pieces. Uh, and I also had the blue black land, so I had some decent mana fixing. Never had any trouble getting my colors that I needed. It also in the deck, besides the uh, basics, were a Mortuary Mire and a Spawning Bed. So that was the deck I played. The cards that I didn't include in the deck, some of which I regret, and we'll talk about that. Let's see, I had a Grave Birthing, a Rising Miasma, Scour from Existence, Incubator Drone, Retreat to Coral Helm, Brilliant Spectrum, the aforementioned Null and Healer, uh, Eldrazi Devastator, and was there anything else? There was the... No, the Processor Assault doesn't really count. I had a Slab Hammer, too, which I didn't include. I'm pretty sure that was correct to not include it because I was trying to get to seven mana and I had absolutely zero landfall matters cards in my deck. A couple of the cards that I went up boarding in every single match were the, uh, the, the scour from existence and the incubator drone. So that says something about possible misbuild and the salvage drone was pretty much garbage. I just wanted some early ingest because I had a lot of ingest matters cards late game. So I really wanted to get those ingest triggers early. So having the three ways to get there was pretty good. I I didn't regret it. And actually it worked to my benefit because a couple game ones, I hit the early one drops and sort of swing it in and they got outclassed by my opponent's cards. So I already was on the plan of boarding them out and then my opponents wound up boarding in everything from like dampening pulse to the one that does one damage to every to all the creatures, the red spell. Just started boarding against an aggro deck. If they saw the aggro half of my deck, I boarded out. I boarded those out and boarded in the grave birthing, scour from existence, and the incubator drone. The scour should have been main deck straight up because. My deck was very removal light, uh, 
I played the pool. I mean, I played the deck with the most removal out of all of my possibilities. And so I don't regret that. And I went with more synergy than just generic big good things. Although, you know, having the Bane of Balagad, having the Ruin Processor at the top of my curve was really beneficial. I think that was, I think that worked out really well for me. Uh, because they were finishers, you know? So that was good. My deck really was more of like a control deck. It was really weird. <clears throat> I didn't love the deck. I didn't love the pool. The pool I was really unhappy with, to be honest with you. I often look at a pool and I go, okay, well, here's a deck. You know, and I found one deck in this pool. But I'm almost not convinced at all that there's a second deck in this pool. The removal was so light across all five colors. It was just, I don't know. It was a very, very low power level pool. You know, like the green was subpar. The white was miserable. The white was the worst, you know. And actually the odd thing the oddest thing about my day. So I wound up going, just cut to the chase here, I wound up going 6-3. and three. So 6-3 and three with a deck and a pool I wasn't happy with was okay. I lost my winning in, so my last, I lost my, my, I got my third loss in the last round. Uh, but as always, I did it with a smile on my face, a friendly handshake for my opponent, and a wish of fun and luck in day two. Because that's the way you do it, folks. There's no reason to be salty or to feel like you deserve it more than anyone else. Because one of these days, you'll be the person who is getting the handshake and going into day two. And you got to just hope that the person that you lose to is as gracious in defeat as you are. So that's just something I always try to do. I always try to set a good example and just be completely respectful of my opponents regardless of win or lose and just be friendly because it's a game and a social setting we're supposed to have fun i don't know i could ramble on and on about that i don't really feel like it but no hard feelings there great match took it to game three just didn't get there you know so what can you do so yeah so because i just didn't have a great pool i I really did lean towards the deck with the most synergy which was the blue black because there was a lot of the void a lot of ingest would have loved to have something i mean i'm not gonna even talk i'm not even gonna mention the card i would have loved to have because you would love to have lots of cards that you don't have in your sealed pool that's why it's sealed you get six packs that's it you just build with those it doesn't matter what you would have wished you had in the pool everything i said last week Every card that you don't have in your pool is the bottom of the ranks because it doesn't matter. You got to just build with the cards you have. So I, I think that like when I built the deck, you know, I had a plan in place, but then there were some there were some holes. There were some holes in in the plan, and I found those holes eventually and was able to you know rattle together a respectable six three. You know, it's fine. It's not the ideal result the ideal result is 39 points that's the that's the goal is 39 minimum but you know i winding up 18 points on a deck you weren't super jazzed about I, I feel good about that now i think that my panic because i had a full-on panic attack about the weather back home when we were supposed to fly back so saturday morning 
between rounds, all I'm trying to do is change all of our plans. So <laughs> they were calling for severe storms, possibility of tornadoes and hail, the damaging winds, etc., etc. Right around the time we were supposed to land on Monday night. So I went into a panic and I postponed our departure by a day so that instead of landing at 11.30 at night Monday, we would land at 2.30 in the afternoon on Tuesday, which we did so, we landed in sunny skies. So I was, I don't regret doing it. I don't think that the weather got bad until overnight Monday night here, but I have enough trouble getting in a plane as it is. So the the thing I try to avoid the most are traumatizing experiences that'll make me not want to get into a plane again because I need to fly. I can't take Greyhound forever. I can't be doing this. I don't have the time to do Greyhound and Megabus all the time for all these trips. I just don't. I don't have the time. So flying is faster. Flying is actually sometimes cheaper, at least than Greyhound, which is pathetic. And Greyhound really needs to fix that. Way, way cheaper than Amtrak. Everything's cheaper than Amtrak. Although the tra- the train from Baltimore to Atlanta was only like 100 bucks a ticket. And we got to sleep on the train. So we saved a night of hotel. So it was it was actually priceless to do that, despite my wife not getting enough sleep on the train. I don't think she realized that when I said you could sleep on the train, that I didn't mean uninterrupted sleep, because she's like, I kept waking up. I was like, well, yeah, it's it's a train. So, of course, you're going to keep waking up. I didn't think to explain that, so that was my bad. But <clears throat> I liked the train a lot. I thought it was really cool, and we got to eat at the in the dining car got to actually have a, a, a meal on the train, which was <laughs> getting, getting to the to the table was comical to me, because everything was just like, oh, I just like, <laughs> it felt like some sort of Three Stooges movie where I was just waiting for something disastrous to happen, but it's a good meal on a train, need to eat a meal on a train, period, uh, train was fun. Would love to do the train again, but the train is... I've looked into the train on multiple occasions. The train is typically way too expensive because you pay for, like, every transfer. Like, when you go on the Amtrak site, it'll be like, this is $200 to to do this. And I'm like, oh, cool. And then you transfer here. And I'm like, oh, there's a transfer. That's fine. But then you look at the transfer, the transfer is $200. It's like, are you serious? I'm going to pay $600 to get from here to there? I don't think so. It's insane. The prices are just miserable. But this one time it worked out. I'm glad it did. I would love to do it again sometime. But anyway, I kind of lost the track a little bit. So re- rerouted everything, uh, changed our flights, changed, uh, got an Airbnb for, for Monday night. Which was super cheap and super awesome. Hosts were great. Really great uh, service. I have friends who are so violently against Airbnb. But 
I I'm not gonna stop using it. I, I won't use it in San Francisco, okay? But 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 using it in Atlanta in a pinch was just amazing. It saved me probably hundred and fifty dollars. So I'm not gonna complain about that at all. Anyway, I think that my point is I think that flipping out about all that crap distracted me and delayed my realization of what the best sideboard plan would be for my deck. Because I was really more of a control deck. So what I wound up doing a lot of times was I wound up boarding out the, the, the one-drops, boarding in the Grave Birthing and the uh, Incubator Drone and the Scour from Existence. The Rising Miasma should have probably come in more often. The most interesting thing about the entire uh, day was that I got three losses, right? All three losses were to black-white decks. And they were almost all with allies and Clastra Healer, which we did not rank in the top five of our lists, was uh, a bit, a pretty a big factor in all three losses. And I think that even though they had some three toughness things, and it wouldn't have been the most ideal, and I would have lost one or two things myself if I didn't play around it right. I think that boarding in Rising Miasma against all those decks would have been the right call. And I just didn't. I don't know why. Well, I mean, I've got, like, Mist Intruder. I'm looking at my deck right now. I've got, like, Mist Intruder, Dominator Drone, Cloud Manta, obviously the Sludge Crawlers, the two Merc Striders. Like, almost all of my low drops would die to Rising Miasma. Now, with that said, all of my two drop, almost all of my creatures would live if I had the Tide Drifter out first. But that's only one Tide Drifter. There's no guarantee that I'm going to have it out every time and have the Rising Miasma. I did have that damn Tide Drifter quite a few times. And it was great. It was an all-star. But I don't know. Probably should have had it in more. Probably should have really went further down that path. Maybe even retreat to Coral Helm. I'm not sure, though. And also, Brilliant Spectrum, maybe. I, I boarded it in one one game, and it wound up being okay. It wasn't perfect, but it was okay. I think there I think there were a few things I could have done differently with the deck. Maybe stopped, like, not worried so much about the synergy and focused a little more just on making a more consistent deck, which would have required more card draw, and with the several counter spells and instant speed removal spells, having the Grave Birthing is good, because you can play at instant speed, you know? You can play that Flash game. That's pretty good. But anyway, you know, lost the three, all to black-white. I just want to give a shout-out to Trent Brower, who I played on the day, he was a really nice guy. I kept running into him over the weekend. Uh, he was just really cool. I just always like when you have like a cool opponent who's just really friendly, and Trent was just a great guy. I also uh, wanted to point out, or just, or just brag a little, that I beat Andrew uh, Tenjum in the, uh, some, at some point in the tournament, probably round f- six, maybe? Which is probably my highest profile opponent I played all day. He's a pretty well-known guy, but that was that was that was a that was a feel-good, you know, working my way towards the hopeful winning in. I think that took that that win took me to five and one, and then I lost, and then I won, and then I lost. So I went up six and three. 
Um, I also wanted to give a congratulations to Corey Bush. Corey Bush is a local player, Common Ground Games. He made day two. He did not do great in day two, but he kept a positive attitude about the whole thing, which is something that I harp about all the time. Super excited for him. And he was also playing black-white, I must mention. (laughs) Something about those black-white decks. I could have very well wound up in black-white if I had any removal. But I had none, so we did not go there. So that was my weekend. Now, the best thing about my trip to Atlanta was that my wife was there. So I lost... I didn't make day two, but I got to spend the rest of the weekend with my wife in Atlanta and even an extra half a day. So it was a really nice trip overall. It was totally a win-win situation, and we got to see all kinds of cool stuff. We got to see the world of Coca-Cola. We got to see the Museum of Natural History. I can't remember everything. Oh, I got to go on the CNN tour because I went while she was still asleep. And that was really fun, and I got to take a picture with a life-size Rick on a park bench from Rick and Morty, and that was just really a trip to see that. I was like, I couldn't believe that they had that in there, so got a picture of me on a bench with Rick, which was really nice. Atlanta was a cool city. We got to check out Decatur at one point, swung over there, uh... Went to a coffee house. Went to Java Monkey. I think the place was called. It was pretty good. So we hit up some, we hit up Decatur a little bit. Took the bus around a bit, which was nice. I always love to ride mass transit in cities that I visit. I just you know I'm I'm a city boy, so just love to like get on a bus or a train and just kind of get a feel for the city that way. Just kind of cut a swath right through the city. So that was a really nice experience. And I was really happy that my wife was so game to get on the buses and stuff. So just cool to have an awesome traveling companion to do those things with. Great time. Just a great time. That was my last big one. Last big one of the year. <laughs> Unless <laughs> this kind of this is putting me in a spot. Unless I win the GPT slash IQ thing. Is that, a, is that what it is? A GPT and an IQ on the on Sunday at Common Ground Games. Because that'll get me 15 points if I win. 15 points qualifies me for the Invitational. <laughs> so, of course, and it's sealed, so I feel good about it. I've had I've had a lot of good high level sealed under my belt. So, yeah. Mhm. If I win this thing this weekend, first of all, I'll be $250 richer. That's nice. But then I'll be qualified for the invitational in in Vegas in like 3 weeks. And I'm just like, "Man, <laughs> why am I going to play in a tournament that I almost don't want to win?" <laughs> I'm over it. I'm over traveling. I was so ready to take a break. So now I'm going to, of course, because I don't want to win it, I'm going to win. That's just how it works. So that's the thing. So we're going to, we're going to plan that Sunday. Me and uh, Jeff Zandy are both going to plan that Sunday. Maybe I'll get him on the show next week and we can both talk about that event. 
and how it went. So that could be cool. But anyway, that was my Atlanta experience. It was really great. Uh, cool to see uh, Nick and Peter and Joel and Stephen Ellis, who I hadn't seen in a while. Well, I had seen him kind of recently at Common Ground, but he moved back to Atlanta after a while. So it was good to see him again. And Michael, who I didn't get to talk to long enough. I, I He kept trying to talk to me, but I was at that point trying to reroute all my travel. So I didn't get a chance to say hi to Michael. So, hi Michael. I hope you did well at the tournament. Sorry I was so busy and didn't get a chance to stop and talk to you about stuff. Great times. Next Grand Prix for us is going to be Grand Prix Houston, end of February, which is standard, which means it's time to start slowly switching gears into standard, getting a good amount of trading done, getting cards towards uh, the standard decks I want to play built. So that's good. And hopefully by the time Houston comes, I will be ready to endure the standard format once again. So, and... If I win this thing on Sunday, I guess I'll have to get into standard fast. <laughs> oh, no. Anyway, what can you do? Just got to show up and win. Now, uh, I just want to talk real quick about a couple things that popped up over the weekend, or I guess early in the week. Uh, we had some Oath of the Gatewatch spoilers that apparently have shown up. And everyone's kind of freaking out about them because they are relatively controversial. So I'm going to, so, you know, this is all assuming that these are real. I'm going to assume that these are real because they look too good to be fake. And it's just more fun to assume that they're real than to assume that they're fake. So we can talk about them and speculate. Speculation's fun. So, first of all, the first card that was spoiled early, I don't know what order they were spoiled in, but the first card that I want to talk about is a card called Wastes. Wastes is a land. It is a basic land. It doesn't have a basic land type, so it's not like forest or island or anything like that. It just says Wastes. It says basic land. It's full art. And then it has a symbol, which is like a, a diamond kind of symbol in the center. So this is a new mana symbol, and there's a lot of speculation on to what as to what this could mean. So is it a sixth color? In essence, yes. In essence, this is a sixth color. And in, by saying it's a sixth color... What that means is that there are some cards with this symbol on them where the only way you can activate that, you know, pay that symbol is with one of these cards. Or or that's what we're assuming. So, anyway, it could be a six color, but it also could be a colorless mana symbol that indicates colorless mana must be used to pay it. So the the symbol here could indicate colorless mana since there is no basic land type it's not basic land wastes 
because that would indicate hardcore, a sixth color. But this is just basic land creates this weird symbol. So it's it's interesting. So it, so now wastes is a common. So it's not in a basic land slot for set numbering purposes, despite being a basic land. So it's not like there's going to be forests, plains, mountains, wastes, all in the basic land slots. So uh, the speculation is that this is going to be included in packs the same as any other non-basic land. So that, you know, they'll be draftable. This card will be draftable for the archetype that requires wastes and probably passed by just about anyone else. So you will see these if you build this archetype. If this even is an archetype, we'll get into this full spoiler later. But if there is an archetype that requires wastes and requires specifically colorless mana, all, all assumption, of course, then you would probably need to draft these to enable that deck or have other ways to produce colorless mana like Hedron Archive and things of that nature. So, wastes. Very strange. Very interesting. Very intriguing. Very controversial. And I like that people keep saying, look, they finally reprinted Wasteland. <laughs> it's so stupid. What a stupid joke. I love it. Uh, there is another land that was spoiled. It is called Mirror Pool. Mirror Pool is a mythic rare. It's a land. And it enters the battlefield tapped. You can tap it to add this mana symbol mana. Add it To add waste mana <laughs> to your mana pool, we'll call it. And then it costs two and one wastes. Sacrifice Mirror Pool. Copy, target, instant, or sorcery spell you control. You may choose new targets for the copy. And then four wastes. Tap. Sacrifice Mirror Pool. Put a token onto the battlefield that's a copy of target creature you control. So for this card, in my opinion, it has some cool abilities, but just too much needs to be going right for some of it to work. The thing is, like, you need to have the waste mana, or if it's just a colorless, if you if it's required to be colorless, you need to have colorless mana sources in order to make this work. What it seems to me, and I think the part that people are just freaking out about, is the last ability. The uh, put a token on the battlefield that's a copy of target creature you control. So, Siege Rhino obviously comes to mind. A number of different creatures with Enter the Battlefield abilities come to mind. And that seems to be the most likely mode to be used on Mirror Pool. And that's the part that people are freaking out about. Understandably so, because having Siege Rhino plus Mirror Pool is not fun, in my opinion. Um, There was one other card that was spoiled, and that is Kozilek the Great Distortion. Big one. This costs eight wastes wastes. That's just what we're going to call it for now. Like I said, it could be just that you pay eight mana, and that can be any color of mana, and then you have to pay two colorless mana to cast it. Um, We'll find out soon enough if that is in fact true, or if wastes is just straight up a sixth color for the purposes of this set. 
this is a legendary creature, Eldrazi. It's mythic rare, of course. It's a 12-12. It says, when you cast Kozilek the Great Distortion, if you have fewer than seven cards in hand, draw cards equal to the difference. It has Menace, and it has Discard a Card with Converted Mana Cost X, Counter Target Spell with Converted Mana Cost X. So, you know, this seems really powerful, but of course any card that costs 10 mana better be powerful. I find it weird that it's not indestructible. Just seems like this should be indestructible. Kind of confused that it isn't. Especially if Kozlek the Great Distortion is like is a void or something. It says so the the flavor text is a void as cryptic as reality itself. So if Kozilek is like an illusion or something, you figure that there's no way to kill it. So I don't know. It just seems weird that it's not indestructible. But whatever. That's almost just a flavor thing. Maybe just me wanting more. Also, would have loved to see Trample on this. But again, that's me just wishing for things that aren't there. But this card can just sit and lock the opponent out if the cards line up right. If you've got the the cards to counter their their cards... That's the one thing that I'm kind of like, I don't know. Like, are you going to have the exact converted mana cost card in your hand to counter their cards? I feel like you'd need some way to, like, see their hand. Like, some sort of hand disruption, like uh, Transgress the Mind or or Duress or something. Or Despise. Despise is the, uh, is the one we have right now. I don't know if we have... I don't think we have Duress. But we have Despise. So, you know if you were able to see their hand and know what's coming and then hold a spell specifically to counter that spell, then that could be very good. Or that could be a very good ability, but time will tell. Uh, overall though, this is a very strange start to spoiler season. Not what I was expecting at all, <laughs> but it's nice to be surprised. It's nice to be in some ways offended by the design and by their how dare they do this you know how dare they make a sixth color how dare they require us to pay this sixth color for certain spells because they design the game and they can do whatever the hell they want so just put the cards in my hand and let me play them that's all I want I'm just excited to play these cards, and to see the rest of the spoilers. because And to learn what the hell wastes actually do, and, and how it works. And to see who's right and who's wrong, because, I mean, it's cool. And, and I'm excited to give it a try, but I want to know what I'm trying. But I will have, this weekend, one last hurrah. No, not one last, there'll be two. We've got this weekend which is Battle for Zendikar Sealed, and then December 6th is also Battle for Zendikar Sealed. I can't remember what type of tournament that is. I think, oh, I think that's a, um, that's a GPT for Mexico City and an Invitational Qualifier. So a couple more of these before we actually get into 
Oath of the Gatewatch. I'm not done. I'm not done with Battle for Zendikar Sealed. Six and three for a format that I just felt like was so confusing and so daunting. I feel good about it. It's not the seven and two. It's not the day two. It's not all the glory. But it's at least a respectable finish. And a deck, at least, I feel proud of the deck that I put together from that pool. I always say that you can't worry about what's not there. But there really was a lot of stuff that was not there that needed to be there to bump me up to, you know, a seven and two, eight and one deck that I felt really confident about. Overall, though, not disappointed in the result. Get them next time. Looking forward to this Sunday as next time. And I'm going to get them, man. I'm going to get that check. And I'm going to get qualified for that stupid invitational so I can go on one more magic trip before the year's out. But anyway, next week, I don't know if I'm going to be by myself or if I'll get Jeff Zandy on the show or what I'll do. But I'll be talking about that event. And then I'll be talking about Standard as well. Because, like I said, it's time to start switching gears. Start getting into Standard. So the best way to do that is to follow the coverage and talk about it. So we're going to talk about some Standard. We're going to watch some Standard. And we're going to talk about it. And that's that. Doing it. (laughs) Doing it. So... That's all I got for this week. So until next time, we are YoMTG Taps. We, the Royal, I, we, the the editorial. I dropped off the money. Stop bitching, start brewing. Yeah, yeah, we're on to the next one. Yeah, yeah, the album's already done. Yeah, yeah, collect the funds before we do these shows. Gotta go on a press run. Yeah, yeah, we're on to the next one. Yeah, yeah, that album's already done. Yeah, yeah, collect the funds before we do these shows. Gotta go on a press run. Yo, the rhyme pays more eyes once I ride through the doors. Yo, MTG Taps is available every Friday on LegitMTG.com. I want my MTG.com, MTGcast.com, iTunes, Stitcher, Brainlink, Telegraph, and via Passenger Pigeon at PigeonCast.com. Questions, comments, or free sticker requests that I will hopefully one day get around to can be sent to YoMTGTabs at gmail.com. The intro music is the song Press Run by the amazing Baltimore MC You'll Never Know and is produced by W. Additional background music produced by Logic Marsalis. Purchase all of their music at magneticmoments.bandcamp.com. That's magnetic with a K. Seriously, purchase all of their music. Find us on Twitter and Facebook to guarantee infinite happiness forever. Finally, make sure to check out my weekly limited stream, Head Games with Big Head Joe, every Sunday at 9 p.m. Eastern at twitch.tv slash legitmtg. Thanks for listening, and we'll see you next week.